I'd like to begin with a reading from Luke 2. When Herod understood that the Magi had evaded him, his rage inflamed, and orders were sent out that every male child in Bethlehem and the surrounding regions, two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi, were to be put to death. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. First, I just want to say thank you for having me here and really, Alan, uh, uh, for even thinking of that. Uh, this is an August assembly. It is a serious place. And much of what I do while I consider it serious, I, let's just say it's a more jovial kind of thing. Um, so I've struggled with what to say to you today and how best to present it, how to put a good face on my meager little church body as I also enter you here in Rockford. I've only been here two years and I intend to stay for a while. I'd like to see my congregation be known, period, but then known for grace and Jesus and life. Well, here I am, but it's not about me. It's not about my congregation. It's not about my church body. It's not about this little assembly here. It's not about the divisions between, say, myself and the good bishop that 500 years of back and forth have brought, or the divisions between myself and the evangelicals who do not have the same confession of the supper that I do and I share with the Roman Catholics in the room. It's not really about that, although it, it is, because it is about our unity as humans underneath the tyranny of an old and evil foe whom the true God and Lord and the person of his son Jesus Christ has saved us from by a not quite single-handed, he had two nailed to the cross reality. That same fight against that dragon, that serpent, that beast who lied and said, did God really say well, that is what we're facing now, because from then till now, his entire agenda has been the disfiguration of the image of God in whom man was wrought out of clay. And it is a bitter irony that the, the trick he plays upon man, mankind, man and woman, of all things could lead us to despise most of all ourselves. To believe that the future lies in killing it, and that life lies in death. So I don't think that's new, and I don't think that's just a matter of abortion. I think abortion is just a marvelous symbol of what he is about all the time. This not slumbering, not sleeping foe. Now, where this leaves me as a 41-year-old, born in 1978, for those of you who didn't want to do the math, well over a decade more after abortion was legalized in this country, it is, it is hard for me to get up here and talk at all. I'm gonna adjust this a touch. There, uh oh, not gonna work. Right here, there it is. It's hard for me to get up here and talk at all. 
Because I know from having heard many pro-life talks, I've, I've been to the March for Life twice and heard the talks there and other places, I know it's supposed to be upbeat. We're supposed to be gung-ho. We're supposed to be confident and sure. And I'm not. I'm a cynic. I'm, I don't mean in everything in life, I mean on this issue. And I don't know why. I mean, I know that having grown up in a world in which this is all I've known from my government and from the media, there's a big part of me that thinks that's an insurmountable obstacle. Who's going to fight cable TV and the internet? And then I sit and I watch as we make small gains, and we have. And I don't want to diminish that. So if you hear me going that direction, please don't. We make these small gains, and the hope is that maybe, maybe, maybe someday we'll flip the balance on the Supreme Court and just get a ruling and be in control for a while. But it's just like democracy always is. That's only until they flip it back. And so I'm torn in my heart for the minds of my countrymen. Minds that I don't think only need to be changed about just abortion. First, they need to be changed about human dignity and human life, and the value of human life. But I also believe that a lot of that has to do with believing human life is here on purpose, which of course would involve something other than macrocosmic, evolutionary, chaotic accident. I believe all these things are needed, and I don't hear them. And so again, as a single individual, I get selfish and proud, and I think, if I don't do it, who will? And that makes me feel weak, and I start to wonder. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is because I just don't think I'm alone in that. I think that a lot of young people, those of us who've grown up on computers and internet, we have high aspirations, and those high aspirations hide even deeper fears. And I want to give voice to that, because I think it's right to despair in the face of great evil. Now, St. Paul does tell us we don't despair as those who do not have hope. We absolutely have hope, but the hope is not in us. The hope is in the resurrected man, Jesus Christ. He who has ascended to the right hand of the Father and holds all things in his hand. He knows exactly what is going on. And the moment he wants to put an end to abortion in the United States, he will do so. My hope is in him and his return. That on that day I shall rise from the dead with all Christians who have put their faith in him. Look upon his glorious resurrected body in which I now participate fully by experience. And live under his kingdom, which shall come in that day, innocent, righteous, blessed, because of him, because of what he's done, because that's what he is, who he is, and what he wants to do. But I also believe that while I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't know if this makes sense if I say this. But it makes a lot of sense to me, and it's very, I don't know, uber new think talk. Pagan's gonna pagan. Pagan's gonna pagan. 
Those who worship nature will worship nature. Those who believe the gods are behind it and they have the power to manipulate them will. Those who do so will inevitably be worshipers of Satan. And in worshiping Satan, whether by name or by accident, they will inevitably be torn toward sacrificial actions to gain power. And in that, they will eventually murder babies. I'd like to stop them. I'd like my government to stop them. I also know that the history of the world teaches us God can't stop them because they will not. And I, I'm not saying let's not fight for this country and its minds and its actions and its policies. I'm not saying that. I'm saying before we do that, can we take a moment to lament? and weep and gnash our teeth for the thorns and the thistles and the pain we have wrought upon this world and even redeemed as we are. The freedom of the Christian is now to call it what it is and not pretend it's something else. How lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow she has become, she who was great among the nations, she who was a princess among the provinces, she has become a slave. She weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheek. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. Judah has gone into exile because of affliction and hard servitude. She now dwells among the nations and finds no rest. Her pursuers have overtaken her. The roads to Zion are in mourning and none come to the festival. Her gates are desolate, her priests are groaning, her virgins are in affliction. She herself suffers bitterly. For her foes have become her head, her enemies prosperous because the Lord has afflicted her because the Lord has afflicted her Adam and his woman when they were first evil when they knew the distinction from good and in that lost all the first thing they did was blame each other, make up an excuse, and then try to fix it with their own hands. And our Lord in his grand mercy, designing to save us from the beginning, walked to them, called to them, let them lie to him, then promised them he wasn't going to let the lies stop him from giving them life. Promised them that from the woman whose name would become Eve, that is life, from that woman would come the one whom we worship and adore. Then he proceeded, and I love this by the way, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. That's good. Thank you for bringing her today. After they made their excuses and made their leaves, after he came and promised the answer, he then took some animals, he slit their throats, shed the blood, and covered them with those bloody garments to foreshadow the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and the need to be fixed 
not to fix, to be fixed. The significant and weak power of Christianity today, now, in this dark and chaotic land is that. That when the Lord wants to remove his hand of pressure, which he has put against atheistic, pragmatic, going pagan America, he will. And our task as people in exile, sojourners looking for a homeland, is to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would convert hearts and minds to trust in his salvation from this place. And then when we stand together as a people who believe that, we will very, very easily pass the laws that we desire to protect our children. Uh, again, I'm not saying let's just convert people to Jesus and that'll fix it either. And I'm not saying stop doing what you're doing. Whatever you're doing for the pro-life cause that you were planning and acting on that you came in today doing, do more. Do more. But before you do it, say, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, you have everything in your hand. Would you please put an end to this hellish action? And in so doing, would you please bring more people to the knowledge of your grace, your resurrection, and what that means not only for us humans, but for the whole creation? Mourn as those who have hope. Let your hope be in not yourself, but the Lord. And he will make your path straight. I don't even know if I said what I wanted to say. Thank you for having me.